Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Jennifer Lewis, she has hundreds of credits on her resume and co-stars in the ABC hit Blackish. She's in town this weekend to talk about her new memoir. It's titled Mother of Black Hollywood. It tracks the highs and lows of her long career. Jennifer, so nice to talk to you. Hello, St. Louis. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm great. Welcome home, even if, even if it is long distance. I can't wait. I think I'm landing tomorrow at Lambert Field, and um, I'm very excited to be coming home. You know, that excitement is, came, came through in an article I read in the St. Louis American talking about you coming back, and you're oh, really, yeah. really, really excited to be back. Well, Kevin Johnson uh, called and introduced me from the St. Louis Post, and I was in such a... I had just gotten some great news about um, uh, the show Blackish being nominated for an Emmy Award, and I was so excited. And, And I said something that, you know, when you're in the moment, I said something that when I read the article, I was like, yeah, that's right. I am coming home to say thank you. Thank you to Kinlock, Missouri, where I was raised and went to high school there. At that time, it was an all-black community sitting on the border of Ferguson, Missouri. And, uh, you know, even as a child, I was warned never to go to Ferguson alone, even huh. back in those days. So when it did explode, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. But here, I know there has been so much progress made. And I'm very proud to come back home. Um, I talk about Ken Locke. I talk about St. Louis. Uh, you know, yeah. remember that commercial, St. Louis has it all from oh. A to Z? Oh, absolutely. I used to love that commercial. <laughs> the Arch and the Zoo. They are my favorite places. But you, don't have St. A, Louis. but you don't have a chance to go back as often, maybe, as you'd like. Not as often as I, I did when my mother was still here. But I do... Um, coming home to Webster University, uh, my alma mater in Webster Grove, is, is, oh my God, the nostalgia. You know, I was 17 years old when I was on that stage uh, back in 19, you know what, 80. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that was 70 something. I graduated from Kinlock High School in 1974 and went straight to Webster a College. It was a college at the time. Now it's Webster University. And the president, Dr. Elizabeth Strobel, uh, was kind enough to give me the theater to do this uh, event Saturday um, at the Loretta Hilton Theater because we were going to come home for the book tour at the St. Louis Library. But they said the volume of calls they called me. They said, "Miss Lewis, the library can't handle this crowd." <laughs> so I was very happy when Dr. Strobel gave me the Loretta Hilton Theater. Well, as you as you say, you spent a lot of time on that stage when you were a student, and then it, oh, yeah. it, it didn't take very long after you left Webster to um, find a job. Oh, I see. You've read the book. Well, well I, I read, got my read parts first of it. Broadway. Yeah, I got my first Broadway show in eleven days. After graduating from Webster College, yeah, what was, what was the show? Ubi Blake's music. It was called Ubi. It was oh. a Broadway musical review of Ubi Blake's music. You remember? I'm just wild about him. Absolutely. And yeah, that was his. U- Ubi it was had a beautiful a, show. Ubi had a good run too, in, on Broadway, didn't it? Yes, he did. He, I think, he passed away at 
I know I was at his 100th birthday party at the Ambassador Theater in New York, uh, but I think he lived to be 102. He was a beautiful man, filled with great music. Indeed. What does it take, uh, Jennifer, to to move from uh, Kinlock, Missouri, to Broadway success? What do you have to have? What are the ingredients for that kind of success? Well, here's the thing. You know, I found out at a very early age that I was an alpha female. You know, I was president of my class at Kinlock High School. I was captain of the cheerleading squad. And when I got to Webster University, um, I was cast in every play. I had, you know, later on in life, Don, when I entered therapy, because I am bipolar, my therapist gave it a name. She called it Soldiers. She said, I've never seen anyone who has soldiers like you. There's something inside of me that just, you know, Don, it's a gift. Let me just be honest. It's a gift that I have tried to honor my entire life the best I can. You know, a lot of ups and downs that I talk about in the book, uh, being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I think I was 30, 32 when I was diagnosed. But up until then, you understand the mania that comes with bipolar disorder is one of the uh, energies that compelled me to go forward, go forward, go forward. And I had been trained in college and, of course, high school to apply the, the steps, the intellectual steps in order to make those moves. But, yes, I will admit that the mania of bipolar disorder is one of the things that drove me. You see, those are extreme emotions. The highs are very high, and the depression is the low of the disorder, and that is very intense and extreme. But I think because, and this is the truth, and this is why I'm coming home to St. Louis to say thank you, it was my high school teacher's, and my college professors who took me by the hand in those days in St. Louis, and they saw something special, and they nurtured me, and they loved me. They knew there was something special. You know, um, bipolar disorder is not a personality disorder. It is a chemical imbalance in the brain, but I had developed a fun-loving personality, and of course, I was the class clown, and I wanted to be, I had that urge in me, I wanted to be famous. Wait a minute, you know what, I'm going to tell you a story right quick, because I want the world to know. I don't think it's in the book. One day when I was sitting watching my black and white television in Kinlock, you know, the PSAs back then that would talk about the starving children in Africa. They were very vivid in those days. They would show the, 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 the liquid in their eyes, the snot in their noses, and the flies on their faces. Well, I was sitting there eating some cornflakes. I'll never forget it. And I saw those children with the malnutrition stomachs sticking out. And I sat there and I said, if I can be famous, then I can be rich. And if I can be rich, I will feed those children. And A lot of people don't know that story. That is how it started with me. I wanted to be famous, to be rich in a little girl's mind, 
so that I could grow up and feed those children. And how did that turn out? Have, have well, you, have you been able, up, able to do that? I have to, when you grow up and you learn that you can't save the world. But what I was able to do was at least take care of one. I joined the Big Sister, Big Brother program as part of my own therapy to try to heal the child in myself, to give a little girl what I had not been given. And I was able, her mother was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when she turned 12. I had met her when she was seven. And now, and I, then I adopted her because her mother could no longer, and her name is Charmaine. She has been the joy of my life. And you find when you grow older that if you can just get one child, and that's why I always promote that people go out and mentor a child, join these programs. And in the world that we're living in right now, we really have to pay attention to the children and the millennials. You know, I, I have a huge uh, Internet following right now because um, I, <clears throat> I am uh, in direct contact with the millennials, I'll tell you why. Because over the years, after playing the aunt on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, then I played the mother in 58 movies, and now I'm the grandmother on Blackest. <laughs> you see, these kids, these kids were raised with me. So I have that sort of special connection as the matriarch. And they are really, t I tell you, Don, I could say good morning on the Internet and it'll get, you know, a million views. I'm like, they're like, she said good morning. Did you hear her say good morning? <laughs> well, well, you know, that's a pretty so, good, pretty good following to have because the millennials, there are about 80 million of them and uh, the largest and I, demographic and group. And I've written mm -hmm, and I've written three songs telling them to register the vote and to get out and vote. And let me tell you, they are going to. They know now. They know these kids are smart. They're running for office now. I'm very proud of them. A lot of them write in and say, Miss Lewis, please don't stop encouraging us, you know. And with the book, The Mother of Black Hollywood, what I did there, Don, is I gave my entire heart and soul. I have never known how to half-ass do anything. I do it with 2,000%. Now, mind you, that could have bounced off the bipolar mania, but some parts of that was it worked for me. See, mental illness, a lot of people in my, in my business have mental illness because we are able to hide that extra, how should I say, that extra, let's say animation, for lack of better word, that animated uh, acting we do uh, that shows that that extra list that we have, like Robin Williams, uh, and Linda Hamilton. These were the people, Jim Carrey. These are the people who have come out. Mariah Carey yeah. uh, have come out with bipolar disorder. Carrie Fisher. And absolutely. Oh, Carrie Fisher was a good friend of mine. And I actually met her when she did her show on Broadway about her mental illness. Um, and honored her for using her artistry to cross over into um, activism. And um, right now I'm uh, very, uh, I speak uh, at many mental illness um, fundraisers and um, lecture series. And, you know, I've devoted my life. Look, Don, I tell people this. I've had my day in the sun. And now I feel like I am the sun. All I want to do is shine 
the light that you know you see here i don't try, i don't take responsibility for myself so many people encouraged me and helped me get to where i am today and i'll tell you after what okay four broadway shows 492 episodic television shows and i think it's 50 eight or 68 movies I've done. My wow. greatest achievement is not only my daughter, but my greatest achievement is that I went and took care of myself. I stayed in therapy for 17 years, twice a week. You know, I, I want to come back and pick up on that point because there, there's some interesting things, obviously, to talk about. We have to take that, uh, that break. We're talking with uh, Jennifer Lewis. She is appearing at 2 p.m. on Saturday at the Loretto Hilton Center for Performing Arts. She'll be talking about The Mother of Black Hollywood, her book, and many other things as well. Back with her in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. And welcome back to our conversation with Jennifer Lewis, the author of The Mother of Black Hollywood. Jennifer, how difficult was it for you to sit down and write about some of the, the, the low points of your life? Uh, you've, you've talked about the bipolar situation, but there was an, a, a period of sex addiction, sexual abuse. Was it a catharsis for you to do this or really, really difficult? Well, it was, it was an amazing process, Don, an amazing process. Um, I had no trouble talking about the trials and tribulations of my life. The most difficult part of the book was when I realized that my friends had died so quickly uh, during the AIDS epidemic. They had, you know, they dropped like flies in the, um, in the 80s and early 90s. And I realized they had all died so quickly, I didn't have time to mourn them. So I found myself mourning them as I wrote their names in the uh, transcript. And um, because, you know, I'm in show business. We took an insane hit. Um, I was mm -hmm. doing Dream Girls, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of the mo a lot of most of the chorus members died. I mean, it was that kind of uh, horror uh, when the AIDS epidemic was at its height. Um, but I have always combined my show business efforts with activism as I'm touring the country right now. I went to Detroit, of course, and I went to Flint, Michigan, and met with the water warriors there. Mm -hmm. I went to Fort Lauderdale, and I met with some of the children from Parkland, the high school that was shot up. I'm not just doing a book tour. I'm in the trenches. The country's going through so much right now. And uh, I also had a con artist come into my life three years ago. And when I released that story uh, and the court records, um, unashamed, though it was a difficult decision to share my personal life with the world, after I did that in order to help other women and people who are being conned, there's so many scams 
after I released that to the public, I wasn't ashamed to release any of these other uh, stories about my sex addiction and and uh, molestation. The pastor of my church molested me um, when I was there um, in St. Louis. I thir- you know, I was 13 years old. And uh, these are the things I'm talking about on stage, real-life issues that people are dealing with every day. Um, and I, I, I'm telling you, I, I can – there's 75-year-old women come up to me at these book signings and will tell me, thank you for being so free and so raw and honest. And people are starving for the truth out there. you got to understand, Don, I've been to New York and Atlanta, Chicago – Los Angeles, um, and I'm feeling the temperature and the temperament of the country, and people are starved for the truth. They're starved for um, honesty. I mean, we're in a world now where fake news and, and, and altered facts and, oh, my God. So what I'm feeling out there in the United States as I am touring is people are just hungry for kindness. They're, they're hungry for, I don't know, just hearing the truth because what's happening now, and, and, and I don't want to put anybody down. I'm not a negative person, but what's going on right now is, is something, it's like almost like an altered reality. And people are having what they're calling, um, what is the derangement syndrome? It's it's that so many post, things are happening. Yeah, it's a post traumatic yeah. stress syndrome. People are being pounded by all of this stuff, and it just Absolutely. it's rel- it's relentless. Absolutely, every day it's a new lie. Every day it's a new threat. And I think one of the most uh, harmful things that happened was um, our president saying that he could go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and not lose a vote. What that said was go on and do whatever you want, and there will be no consequences. And people are. They are shooting up concerts. They're shooting, uh, they're shooting grocery stores. We had a person die in a grocery store here in Los Angeles the other day. I was five minutes from that Trader Joe's as that was going on. The helicopters were right over my head. I, I was at a dinner party. And so we're living in volatile times. But when I first started touring, I would say we're living in dark times. But I don't say that anymore. I say we are living in awakening times. It's time for people to wake up. Right cannot be wrong and wrong right now. Well, stay, stay. We can't grow up. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say, stay active on that internet uh, because I think a lot of people uh, need to hear the message you have. Uh, our time is beginning to wind down, but there's another thing I wanted to get to with regard to uh, your your uh, career and Blackish. I read the other day that one of your stars, Anthony Anderson, has been accused of assaulting a woman, and that that program might mm-hmm. be in some jeopardy. Can you enlighten us on that? Well, I will say this: I personally know nothing about it. Of course, I've heard about it. Uh, I've heard that only a report has been filed, no charges or any of that. So I think we are right now in a waiting game to see exactly what is going to happen. Because after uh, the Me Too movement and after everything that's going on and women fighting back now and women rising up and people rising up to say no more, 
that no one is going to grab us by our pussies anymore after the president said that. People have had enough. People have had enough of being, women have had enough of being um, touched inappropriately. And I'm not just saying women. Men also, I can't tell you the men that come up to me having read my book and saying, Miss Lewis, I was also molested. So we are, these are awakening times. These are not dark times. We are not going to let any government, including our own, change how we, how we interact with each other. Here's the word I'm looking for. Change our humanity. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that if you shoot somebody, no matter who you are, there are consequences. We there have are uh, consequences. Well, yeah, there, there certainly should be. We we have a caller, uh, Jennifer, who wants now, to. Now, by the way, if you molest or shoot, and and the bottom line is, I don't care if it's Anthony Anderson, I don't care if it's Roseanne Barr, I don't care if it's Jeffrey Tambor or Harvey Weinstein, I don't care who you are. Humanity is first. We have to respect each other and love each other. Well, it's great to hear. Now we have great to hear your we pa- have a passion. We we have a caller who uh, may or may not uh, be someone you know, but let's bring him in. It's Fred calling from Glendale who wants to say hi. Go ahead, Fred. Yes, hello, uh, Don. I was wondering. This is something a little lighter, by the way. That's I okay. I was wondering if your guest was familiar with Alberta Hunter, who was a singer oh, from the twenties. Oh my God. Oh, I wish she's one of my favorites. I can't believe you know Alberta. You must be an old timer. <laughs> timer, but I didn't know her from those days, even from my father's old '78 record collection. She oh, made she a record in her seventies, and I yeah, came across did. that record, and she did some of Hubie Blake's uh, material. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Oh, you made me so excited. Uh, I saw that. Uh, I saw Alberta Hunter when she was 70 years old. She made a return, and she performed at the Cookery uh, downtown in, in New York City. And, yes, she did do some of Ubi Blake's music, um, and I, I got to meet her. She became a nurse. She, she had a, a beautiful career as a young lady. I think it was back in the, mm, would it be the 30s, 40s? Yeah, yeah yep. and then she made, she went off and became a nurse, and then made a comeback. <laughs> Alberta Hunter, my favorite, is she sings, "I'll be down to get you in a taxi, honey. <laughs> Please be ready about half past eight. Oh, baby, don't be late. I wanna be there when the band starts playing. Hey, oh no, I love Alberta Hunter. Yes. Well, glad that Fred made that call, and that gave you a chance to sing a little bit for us, Jennifer. Yeah, you know, and uh, I'm going to be singing at the Loretta Hill That's also. That's what I just wanted to bring up. From what I understand, you're not just going to stand there and talk. You're going to be doing, there's going to be a lot of action on stage. Oh, absolutely. You can imagine from this interview, uh, 
uh, uh, multiply this interview about 10 zillion times, and that's what you're going to get on the stage at the Loretta Hilton on Saturday. <laughs> and that's going to be happening at 2 o'clock on Saturday. We have to end it here, Jennifer Lewis. I want to thank you so much for being hey. with us and, and, and making some very, very good points and in many other ways just brightening our day. It's been great talking to thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Don. Thank we, you. And I'm a big fan of yours also. Oh, you're very sweet to say that. Thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you on Saturday. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.